I'm Monty Schenkel from Take Heart Ministry. It is a joy to come to you today and talk about knowing and doing God's will. For in my years of being a pastor, I've discovered that many people struggle with knowing what God wants them to do. He doesn't want us to live a life in a great fog. He wants to cut through the fog and give us clear direction. That's what he does in his word. And today, we're going to look at how to know God's will in our lives. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 10 uh, for just a moment. And so if you get to, as you're going toward John, if you pass through the book of Matthew, then I want you to stop at Matthew chapter 5, because really, I want to look at several different occasions where this conversation concerning following him, following Jesus, uh, rises to the surface. And so John chapter 10 is a passage that talks about sheep and shepherds. John chapter 10 is the passage where Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. It talks a lot about the call of God and the call of the shepherd. And so we come to John chapter 10, verse 27, which says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The Puritans said that a true believer have two marks upon their body. There's the mark of the ear and the mark of the foot. The mark on the ear comes from the passage of Scripture that says, my sheep hear my voice. So if you're one of God's children, if you're truly a follower, a believer in Jesus Christ, then it means that there is a mark upon your ear, my sheep hear my voice, and then there's a mark upon your foot. One of the evidences that we know Jesus Christ is our Savior is that we follow him. It's on our ear, it's on our foot. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. So if a person doesn't hear God, doesn't listen to God, or a person doesn't follow the call of God in their life, then that person is not a believer. If you don't follow, you're not a believer. When I looked at God's Word and spent some time in it this week, I came up with about 20, 21, 22 different times where Jesus either said this or he had a conversation with someone or it may have been someone coming to him and saying, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. I want to be a follower of his. And so about, about 22 different times, Jesus referred to this thing of following him. Uh, to the group of fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, John, down along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you to be fishers of men. To Matthew, who was seated at the seat of customs, Jesus said, follow me. There was one that came to him and said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. Foxes have their dens, the birds there have their nests, but son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. You do not know what you're asking for. Jesus said in another place, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus. He's never called really the rich young ruler. We just know by description he came running to Jesus and said, Lord, tell me what I need to do that I might inherit eternal life, which is strange. You don't do anything to inherit something. 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you keep the law of the prophets. I've done this all my life. Then Jesus said, well, you go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. There's a conversation Jesus had with Peter, at the end of his earthly life, at the end of the earthly life of Jesus, he had this conversation with Peter after Peter had messed up and fallen along the wayside. Then Jesus uh, came to Peter, and you know what he said to him? He said, follow me. And as they walked along, Peter said, well, Lord, what about John? What about this man? What's he going to do? Jesus said, what business is that of yours? Peter, of course, again, that first Baptist, the first Baptist that there's ever been. Uh, what business is that of yours, what somebody else is doing? You follow me. Well, as we go through life, there are a whole lot of calls, and the call of the master has not changed. He still says today, it's not that when Jesus said, and that's not what I've called the sermon this morning. I'm not saying when Jesus said, follow me. I'm saying when Jesus says, follow me, because the master still calls. What an incredible work of grace when the master speaks to us. Everyone doesn't hear it. Some don't listen. But to those who hear his voice and follow that wonderful path, they discover this great truth that when Jesus says follow, it's the best decision you could ever make to say yes to the Lord. Now, there are a lot of calls in life, and I got to tell you, I get tired of being called we have a house phone nobody ever calls unless they're really important people mike huckabee has called me in recent days <laughs> Doc, dr ben carson called my house uh not not very long ago i don't know whether we we're going to talk about brain surgery what we're going to talk about because i think in our country right now among our political leaders we need some brain surgeries done a brain transplant would do well right now. You say, well, there's no such thing. Yeah, there was. I heard about it. And uh, uh, there was a guy that went into a doctor's office to have a brain transplant. While they took his brain out, they were in the other room working on it. He got up and left. <laughs> they didn't find him for several years. And when they found him, he was an elected official in Washington, D.C. I mean, <laughs> that's true. True story. Known fact. Now, Donald J. has not called me yet. I think when he gets his hair right, he'll call me. And, and I haven't heard from Hillary. I think she's getting her pantsuit pressed. But when they get it done, I'm sure they'll be dialing me too. But that's not really important right now. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And of all the voices you're going to hear across this country, I mean, there's only one voice that cuts through all the clutter of life and makes perfect sense. And actually, sometimes when he speaks in our life, we say this, why now? Why this? Why here? What's going on here, Lord? But I have heard your voice, and I know it's your voice. And uh, Jesus, a lot of times when he was speaking to somebody, he would say, go. You know, you need to go. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's the voice of Jesus. And then there's sometimes when he said, come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest that's the voice of Jesus but so often he said follow me some of us watch the video series called the dust of the rabbi if you've not done it I encourage you to google it when we watched it you couldn't have googled it 
But watch Ray Vanderlyn and the dust of the rabbi, and this is what you'll discover, that when a rabbi walked through a village and people, young guys, would think, I want to follow after that rabbi. He's got something. I like his teaching. I get what he is saying. I'm fascinated by his approach to the Torah. Then I think I will just follow him. And the dust of the rabbi would come up off of his feet and would get upon their feet, and so they were following in the dust of the rabbi. And that's what Jesus did. He brought followers in around him. He's still bringing followers around him. He's still calling. People are still answering. His sheep still are hearing his voice, and they are following him. Now, think with me first of all about some illustrations of this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Look there with me. Verse 18, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. When the master says, follow me, often that call in our life is unexpected. I think it was for Peter and Andrew and James and John. The next few verses talk about these two sons of Zebedee who also did the very same thing. They were mending their nets when Jesus called to them, and they left the boat, and they left their father, and they left the nets, and they did all of that, and they went fishing for men with Jesus. When Jesus calls, his call in our life is often not what we expected. You have a course of action that's all chosen for you. You've made these decisions. It may even be the, the path of your career. It could be the college classes that you're taking. It could be the major that you think you're settled in on. It could be any number of things. And then all of a sudden, there is an unexpected, I think it was that way, an unexpected call with Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Now, why? Because growing up, in the city that they grew in, which was a town of maybe 500 people in northern Galilee, there along the Sea of Galilee, Bethsaida, which was a fishing village, a town of about 500, and yet Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Philip, all five, grew up in that little town of 500. Can you imagine how that little community shook the world? And so Jesus comes along and he calls them. But now there have been other rabbis. You see, there was, there was Chorazin, there was Capernaum, there was Bethsaida, and this was kind of the rabbi uh, trinity, rabbi-producing trinity. Up there in that, there were three cities that the, the most famous of all rabbis would come out of. And so young men, they're studying the Torah, they're going to Sabbath school week in, week out, and they're preparing for a rabbi to come, day, come along someday and then cast his look upon them and say, come and follow me. And these guys have come all the way through the school with the Torah. They've gone to Sabbath school all their life, and for some reason or other, nobody has called them. Now they've chosen a career. Now they're going down their own path. Now they're fishing uh, there in the Sea of Galilee. And that's not a bad life, but it's a very hard life. And so on an unexpected day, in an unexpected way, the greatest rabbi who's ever been walks through their life and says, follow me. So to some, this call to follow me is unexpected. To some, it is unreasonable. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. You're in Matthew, now just stay there. 
Turn a few pages, page 835. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side, and a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a noble thought. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. No comfort pillow for him. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, suffer me first. Let me first go bury my father who wasn't dead in all likelihood. And Jesus said to him, there won't be time for that. This is an urgent call in your life. Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. And so we would look at that and see the, the terms by which Jesus called these men. And even now, now these are willing guys that come and say, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm ready to follow you. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're talking about because the world is going to look at the call of Jesus in a person's life and say, it is unreasonable. I mean, does that make sense? You look at the terms of disciples here and, and you say, okay, so... Jesus, you've not done a, you don't have a very good public relations firm working for you. This is not how you do it. I mean, you need to get a better band, and you need to make it more climate controlled, and your message needs to be a little more user-friendly, and if you just had an app for that, Jesus, it'd make it a whole lot easier for people to come and follow you. And Jesus said, you come and follow me, the cost is going to seem unreasonable. Hello, this is Monty Schenkel, and we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is a new effort on our part from Take Heart Ministry. A little over a year ago, we began Take Heart Ministry with the intention of telling people by means of radio and also the internet and now by podcasts that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. If you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to check our ministry out, you can go to takeheart.org. If you would like to personally contact me, you can write to Monty Schinkel or you can write to mschinkel at takeheart.org. Thank you for listening, and now back to the podcast. So to some it was unexpected. To some it was unreasonable. Now turn the page in your Bible to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me, and he got up and went. He arose and followed him. Not only did he rise and follow him, he took him home with him. And it came to pass, as Jesus said, it meet in the house, that's Matthew's house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to the disciples, why does your master eat with these publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now look down in verse 15. Jesus said to them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away. Then they shall fast. No man puts a piece of new cloth into an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine in old bottles, lest the bottles swell and break, and the wine runs out, and the bottle perishes. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. So, to some it was unexpected. To some it was unreasonable. To Matthew, it was unbinding. 
This thing of following Jesus freed him. Notice what he's doing. He is a state worker. Can I get a witness? He is a state worker. He's in a cubicle. He's seated at a desk. He's got a job that he's thinking 80 and out. Did I just hit home with somebody? He's thinking, the sooner I can get out of this, the better, but there is no way out of it. I'm here, I have these responsibilities, and I might have thought my career would have gone a different path and everything would have turned out okay, but the longer I'm at this thing and the further I go, to see, I see I, I'm not making much of a difference. People actually hate me because I work for the IRS. Amen, amen, amen. So he's saying, I don't see any way out of this. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes and follows and says, come and follow me. Matthew doesn't argue about it. He just gets up and follows Jesus. He does more than just follows Jesus. He says, come to my house, Lord. And then he begins to write, invite all of his other publican and state worker friends, the publicans, the republicans, the democrats. He invites them all over to his house. They all come in there, and they have a party. And in the middle of that, who shows up but the Pharisees? And they said to Matthew, what are you doing with these people here? Don't you know who you have here? Why do you have him here? Why do you have these other people here? These are not good people. These are not followers after the law like we know the law should be followed after. And Jesus said, what's going to happen in your life is this. You're going to take an old piece of cloth, a new piece of cloth. You're going to sew it on an old garment. You're going to throw it in a washing machine. And when you take it out, you're going to find that it has shrunk and everything has stretched and pulled completely out of shape. You're going to take new wine. You're going to put it in old brittle wine skins. And when it begins, begins to swell, then it's going to burst those wineskins. This is what's going to happen to you, Matthew. You're about to be set free. Because the following Jesus, the call of God in our life is unbinding. It sets us free. To some, it's unexpected. To some, it's unreasonable. To some, it's unbinding. To some, it is undebatable. Look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus never hid the cost of what he was asking people to do. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Does anybody want to argue about that? You say, well, it seems that it's strange that he would put that kind of a condition out there. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, follow me. And truthfully, the only crosses we know anything about in the New Testament were rugged crosses. There was no such thing as a padded cross. No designer crosses. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. But this is what he said. You really can't debate this because when you come down to the end of your life, you say, I've sacrificed and I've served and it's not always been easy and people haven't understood and Jesus said that the suffering we have in this world, and Paul wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, rather, the suffering we have in this world is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight 
of glory. Jesus said, what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? I've thought this many times in my life. That we, could, we could turn that phrase, I mean, with the value of a soul, but we could turn that phrase, and, and, and I've thought this with regards to a pastor, what, what would a pastor be profited if he gained the whole community and lost his own family? Family's always been important to me and Betty. So here's what he says. It's undebatable. It's not even, I mean, you put them all on the scales. Everything you've got in this life, and if you live to be 90 years old, everything you accomplish in this life, everything you gain in this life, you put that on the scales, and then you put eternity on the scales, and I tell you folks, there's argument over. Undebatable. Then this, to some, this call to come and follow Christ is unacceptable. Matthew chapter 19. Turn there if you would. Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, verse 16. Verse 16. Behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that is God. But if you would enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which? And Jesus said, do no murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus said to him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And the condition was unacceptable because the Bible says that this young man went away sorrowfully. Verse 22, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowfully for he had great possessions. You see, the call to come and follow Christ to many of us is a no-brainer. We've, we've experienced it. We know what happens when we trust Christ our Savior. Things change in our life, and all of a sudden, as somebody said, it's like you get led out of a shoebox in the middle of a parking lot. I mean, suddenly your life has changed, and whole new vistas open up before you. It's different, but to many, 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 many people who can only see what they have in their box, they won't follow Christ. Those are just five biblical illustrations. Now let's make some application. When Jesus calls, what should you do? The first thing I'd recommend this morning is throw down your nets. Just cast down your nets. Now what do I mean by that? The call to follow Christ is not necessarily a change in location, it wasn't for the Gadarene demoniac who Jesus delivered when he said, I'm going to go with you, Lord, and I'm going to be a disciple. And Jesus said, no, you need to go home. You need to go home and be a disciple there. You need to go home and be a Christ follower there. My call for you is not to come and go with me on my journeys around Galilee and down to Jerusalem. That's not what I'm calling you to do. You see, it may not be a call of change, a change of location, and it may not be a change of vocation, but there's always the casting down of nets, which means it's repentance. 
When Jesus calls us, he expects us to throw down that old life. If you think, well, I'm going to go follow Jesus, and I'm going to carry all my nets along with me. Can you imagine how crazy that would have been to see a group of disciples? I can hear Peter saying, would you boys pick it up back there? My net's dragging, and we're going through this desert here, and I don't want a scorpion to get tangled up in it. You don't take a net to the desert. You're not going to need that anymore. Your life is going to be so radically changed with the call of God in your life, he's going to call you to come and follow him. Something new is on the scene. It's not an old wineskin anymore. It's something brand new. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he says, throw down your nets. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he says, count the cost. He never glossed over the fact that being a Christian would, there'd be times when it wouldn't be easy. Some of you know that. And I got it easy. Working with a bunch of saved people, at least I sure hope they are. You say, well, Pastor, you got, you've got it easy. The old saying is, you know, you get paid to be good. And we're good for nothing. And, and yeah, I understand that. I get that. That's truer than some of you imagine. But count the cost. Consider the cost. Jesus always encouraged that. Truthfully, he would, God's Word would point out how that there would be those that would forsake and fall out along the way. And Jesus, even in the terms of his service, when he said, follow me, the Bible says that there were many of his disciples, not the 12, but there were many of his disciples who didn't go with him anymore. They went back to the old life as he began to lay out the terms of service. Then there is this rich young ruler that popped up. Here's one that also counted the cost. Vance Havner writes, no man with more than the rich young ruler ever came to Jesus. No one ever went away with less. Bartimaeus came with his blindness and went away seeing. The lepers came with their loathsome disease and went away well. The woman who touched my Lord in the crowd came away whole. The young ruler for all his great possessions went away the raggediest beggar of them all. The others were desperate, but he wasn't. He could take it or leave it and he left it. Holy desperation is the door to God's greatest blessing. Those who proved him best in Scripture were at the end of everything. Today, the average joiner at church knows nothing about this. He comes casually in his self-sufficiency and has never heard the Savior say, one thing you lack. We dare not disturb him with the cost of discipleship lest we lose the prospect. We are parties to the frightening possibility that he may gain church membership and lose his own soul. Let us see to it that he first confronts the terms of the Lord. Then, if he makes the great refusal, the cost is his. So our Lord says, throw down your nets. Our Lord says, count the cost. And I mean, if we're, we're looking at how you apply this today, the Lord said to Matthew, well, maybe he didn't even have to say this to Matthew. He said to Matthew, follow me. And what did Matthew do? Matthew got up out of his seat. I mean, it was some form of action. I can just see Matthew had all this stuff spread out, and he was working at, a, and, 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 at, at a, the, the, his desk. And, and you know how this stuff just accumulates on your desk. And maybe you come to the end of a Friday, or, or you're getting ready to go on vacation, and you say, I'm going to... And I'm going to clean my desk off. So you set a trash can at the end and you just do the sweep and you just clean it all the way off. You know what you do. Matthew didn't have time to do that. The Savior called and he left his seat. 
Some folks need to cast down their nets. Some folks need to count the cost. Some need to leave their seat. And some need to do what Matthew did, and that is to take Jesus home with them. Take Jesus home with you. He was criticized for doing that, but it was one of the changes he made in his life. There were people to be welcomed. There were publicans, and there were out-and-out sinners that were welcomed to Matthew's house. I can't see them being welcomed before he heard Jesus say, follow me. But all of, all of a sudden, the old garment was getting some brand-new patches put on it, and the old wineskin couldn't handle the new wine of Jesus Christ. There were some changes made. And I'll tell you, when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's going to be exciting because he's going to make some changes. So when Jesus says, follow me, that leads us to this point of invitation. The master is still calling. I still hear from him. And I know you do too. And to some of you this morning, the master is calling today. Come follow me. It's not that he has called, he is calling. You know, the first disciple that was mentioned as being called was Simon Peter. Not that the others weren't called at the very same time, it just mentions in order Peter, Andrew, James, John. What were the words of Jesus to Simon Peter? Follow me. Well, Peter followed him for that three-plus years and became a follower of Christ, a Christ follower, a, a disciple. But then after he had denied the Lord, you remember when Simon Peter did that? and said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. And then after Jesus was crucified, then after Jesus was resurrected, and they were gathered together, and it's like, what are we going to do now? And Peter said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to pick up my nets and I'm going fishing. Well, Jesus came. He called to them. They're out in the boat. Peter jumps to water and swims to shore. Jesus prepares a shore breakfast for them. And then he says to Simon Peter, follow me. They took a little walk. And as they walked, they talked, and they, they, as they walked, they talked. Jesus didn't have to make a whole lot of application in his life to make this invitation to follow him because Peter knew. He knew where he'd messed up, but he'd also know. And folks, we're going to discover this if you haven't already discovered it in life. When you mess up, you don't have to go looking for Jesus. Jesus will come looking for you. He's not going to abandon you. So get over that idea. You're not something to be cast away. He comes looking for you. And so the very first person that heard the call of God recorded in the gospel is Peter when the Lord said, follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. The very last recording in John chapter 21 is Jesus saying to Simon Peter, follow me. And Peter said, looking around, he saw John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he said, what about this man? What about him? And Jesus said, what is that to thee? You follow me. So with all the stuff that goes on in life and everything that's going on around you today and all the pressures that you have, Jesus is still calling, 
follow me. Your life can be a mess, and Jesus says, follow me. You say, what about all my sin? When I get my life straightened out, when my life is straightened out, I get everything, when I get straightened out, then I'm going to come and follow Christ. No. Don't put it off. But I failed. I dropped the ball. So. And you know what Jesus says? Follow me. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We pray that this has been a blessing to you, and I pray that today you in your own heart can take heart because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and Jesus came to be the Savior of all who would call upon Him. And if today you've never trusted in Him, I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and save me. And God's Word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our purpose in all of this is to encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to take heart in Jesus. He cares for you.